0: You don't know because you lost your bones you lost everything
1: you had um, his balls wasn't feeling right I mean it's worth it to not get caught for murder Anyway, still. Still, Uh, do not mesh
0: with um, khaki pants See, so these are where the questions come from this yeah. is where it stems from this is what makes it fun welcome back to creepy campfire Source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan.
1: And we're back. What's going on? Welcome to the Creepy Campfire Podcast. Welcome I'm back, your friends. host, Ryan. Oh, and I'm Jordan. You're back again. Had a lot of fun with the last one, the squonk. The squonk. Had some
0: fun in Pencil- pennsylvania
1: Pennsylvania. You had it. Yeah, yeah. Was- oh. <laughs> um.
0: Yeah, that, that poor little squonk
1: kind of felt like we recorded it two days ago
0: yeah it does feel well we've been we've been getting back on on track here as far as i feel like the recordings may getting them more regular so yeah
1: no we've been pretty consistent i mean it might not be the same exact day but there's at least an episode a week mm-hmm. so we hope you guys are enjoying that we're trying to give you steady a steady quantity of product but still quality at the same time and we are trying to be steady in this life yeah so, That'd which it's dope. fun. I really enjoy it. Uh, like, kind of more than I thought I would. I'm really pumped because I'm waiting on my order currently from our merch store.
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. You said you ordered a, what, a shirt and a mug?
1: I ordered a shirt, brown shirt with our logo on it, <laughs> and a camping mug because we're the campfire.
0: Uh, what color is the mug?
1: It's white. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, the mugs can only come in white, but if you get oh, a shirt... No. I think I think hoodies, a lot of things come in a whole lot of colors. It's not just like five colors to pick from. Mm-hmm. If you get a shirt, there's like 20, 20 different colors to pick from. And if you do want to look at our merch, and don't worry, I promise this will be our only commercial of the show. We do have merch now. We've got everything from pillows, phone cases, shirts, tie-dye t-shirts, aprons for the barbecues that are sure to pop up.
0: You can just slap our logo on just about whatever you want. Just
1: about anything. And you can find it on Spreadshirt.com just go to Spreadshirt and then um search our store and you'll find us if you were listening to us on apple Podcasts through your iphone or any apple devices if you look in the show notes there'll be a link there so it's super easy for you you can just click there and boom you're looking at our merch so you can get your cramp can't get your creepy campfire (laughs) swag on
0: you can get your words out yeah
1: um did you did they already ship it they have shipped so it should be here in the next couple days i'm really excited oh it's gonna be so cool yeah
0: more exciting than me getting my wedding suit no i don't know about that one <laughs> dude i got it last week and it, it works
1: it fits it's good so excited because that's round two right that's round two nice
0: yeah this one's gonna work
1: and what's what's the color what's the color again we're going teal okay so it is a teal one like you wanted
0: yes sweet yeah so uh yeah but that i mean e- just just about equal just in, in excitement level <laughs> there um so you caught me off guard this week you you said we were doing time slips
1: Yes yeah, so so I kind of switched that up a little bit. We are doing a time slip story oh but I got reading about this person in this time slip story and this individual has had a lot of paranormal happen to him in general. So we're just going to talk about this guy. The biggest story is going to be the time slip mm-hmm. uh, but we've got we've got a paranormal photo, a ghostly photo. We've got premonitions.
0: this is all in one yes and a okay.
1: time slip possibly UFO story oh wow we got we had a little bit of everything we do so why don't we go ahead and we'll jump on in and we'll we'll introduce this gentleman our story today is going to be focused around sir Victor Goddard kind of sounds like a scientist from a marvel movie
0: Victor Goddard yeah yeah it's a little uh I mean I guess you could you could put an ominous spin on it
1: Maybe. Well, no, yeah. not, not an evil scientist per se, but like maybe he was working next to Stark's dad or something. Yeah, well, like I guess that. Goddard could go either way. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're talking about Sir Victor Goddard. <laughs> he okay. was a, like, first and foremost, a pilot with the Royal Air Force. So that's the British, the, the Air Force for Britain, Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has many, many merits. And I personally like stories that are centered around someone that has a, a lot of credibility to their name because it makes it easier to believe and they have less of a reason to make some of this up because why would they jeopardize their credibility for something like this unless they truly believed it are you saying
0: that being a pilot in this case lends him credibility
1: not just being a pilot but he's a sir he's a sir (laughs) he's a sir so he's been knighted (laughs) excuse you
0: You've said it all. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sir. Okay, I have no more questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he he reached pretty highly in the ranks of the military. And also, you really didn't want to talk about this stuff in the military if you wanted to stay in the military and have a good career because, one, you could, people could see you as having mental issues and discharge you and write it off really easily as, like, oh, this guy's under a lot of pressure and stress and he's kind of cracking a little bit. And then next thing you know, any promotions you were hoping for just went down the drain.
0: So on top of that, he has a reputation to uphold. Exactly. Gotcha.
1: Okay. And he's very well uh, well decorated. Um, he rose to the rank of air marshal. What so,
0: uh, real quick? I'm sorry. Uh, what what time were we talking? I want to get uh, like a like a time frame.
1: So we're talking. I'll give you the time he served because most of most of what occurred happened during the time he served. Okay. Um, and he served between 1910 and 1951. Oh, so, so we're oh, talking cool. WW1 oh, wow. to a little after.
0: He served from 1910 to 1951. Yeah. Wow. Decorated.
1: Yes, and uh, to give credit where credit's due, we might make that a segment. Credit where credit's due. <laughs> Um, I got all my uh, information from above top Um try to cross reference their sources and, and it seemed to all check out pretty well so okay so Reliable. he is a very well decorated pilot in the Royal Air Force and just to give you some perspective of his rank uh, you start off as pilot officer then you go to flying officer then flight lieutenant squadron leader wing commander group captain air commodore then Air Vice marshal and then Air marshal
0: what you were counting was that 13 it was nine ranks nine oh my God yeah and there's Way only
1: out. there's only two more above what he achieved Wow yeah at least at the time of his service so let us begin so we're going to start off with something that I've actually seen before I started doing the research for this but I didn't know it was the same person um, there is a photograph that was taken in 1919. And it is a group of airmen. Um, I think they still call them airmen in, over there in England. But mm-hmm. there's a photograph of several. Of, of well, I several... think they still call
0: them seamen, too. So, <laughs>
1: But should they?
0: But should they? <laughs> they should find a better phrase. Continue.
1: <laughs> but there was a, uh, a group portrait taken of uh, 200 men and women in, in Goddard Squadron. Well, there had been a Freddie Jackson that had recently died just before the photo. And so, this is an official photo. This isn't someone's home camera that could have been tampered with. This is an official photo uh, taken by the Royal Air Force. It was taken shortly after Freddie Jackson's funeral, and as all everyone's lined up, they, they took this photo. And the more they looked at it, they started realizing something was a little off about it. And you have to really take a magnifying glass to see it because mm-hmm. it's 200 people, so they're you know it's a pretty spread out photo.
0: Is it like one of like the like the class of or something like exactly. that. Like gotcha. Exactly like
1: that. So two days before this photo was taken is when Freddie Jackson was killed. Unfortunately, this is a really, really rough way to go. Like probably like on my top 10 list of ways not to go. Uh, he walked into an airplane airplane propeller and was killed instantly. He walked into it? What, what happened? I, what? I, I, oh, that's no. all. I kind of didn't want to learn any more about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, top 10 ways to go walk into an airplane propeller well i
0: mean you said he died instantly right i
1: mean that's i sure hope so i really do
0: i guess i guess it depends on the propeller
1: yeah but so unfortunately freddie died and they had his funeral two days after his funeral they take this essentially class photo of everyone in 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 goddard squadron and as people begin to look at it they start to know something behind victor I'll let you take a look at it now so you can kind of give the people your reaction. How, how would you see that? I, I don't know, but when you zoom it in, like, it makes sense. It's definitely a,
0: f- a face behind his face. It almost doesn't look real, though. Like, I mean, it, you, you can tell that it's like the face of a human, but it almost looks like a, like a dummy, kind of, to me. It kind of reminds me of a dummy. Like, kind of lifeless eyes. and.
1: Really? I mean, like, as detailed as the lips and the nose are? uh maybe it's just i don't know maybe it's just my perception but oh and even if you look at it a little bit um you can see kind of uh the the pointed cap that people wear in the military
0: i saw that yeah you can yeah. definitely see the hat on him.
1: yeah that's really cool and let's uh here's a here's a quote from victor himself after noticing the same thing in the the picture When the group photo was put up on the notice board so that those who wanted copies could write their names below, those who scanned the photograph identifying friends they saw, or they were prompted to see the face of Freddie Jackson, air mechanic, in the topmost row, capless and smiling, his face being partly hidden by another. His expression seemed to say, my goodness me, I nearly failed to make it. They didn't wait or leave a place for me. The blighters.
0: Wow, they they have some strong assumptions about what this guy would say. Yeah. Um, so, wait, they said capless, so he didn't have a
1: hat on? Yeah, that's what they say. But, I mean, if you kind, of, if you look at it, it kind of looks... I mean, it's off-center, but he doesn't have, like, the full-on, um, I guess you'd call, um, airman cap. Kind of like the sailor. Mm-hmm. Not the sailor, like captain's hat. But it does look like it he's got similar something on it. Yeah. yeah, but it looks like he's got, the, like, the little... I-, I almost call it, like, a cadet cap. Mm-hmm. And to any of our veteran listeners, no matter what country you're from, we do not mean any disrespect and any kind of lack of knowledge we might have, but we're it's, just trying it's to just that it's a
0: lack of knowledge. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: But I mean, these people, obviously they cared quite a bit about Freddie to, to know him that well, to assume his feelings about it. Yeah. Um. So I feel like they'd know his face pretty well too. And mm-hmm. to see it and be like, that's Freddie. It's pretty trippy.
0: That is trippy. Well, especially being that old of a picture and, you know, I'm not being able to doctor stuff back then.
1: Exactly. Which there's a lot of faultiness with old photography, but this one almost just seems too, too eerie to discount. Mm -hmm. And even if it was like, let's say this camera had been used multiple times um and it was some some image that had been burned on the lens like they'd taken these group photos before so that's why he was lined up perfectly with the person you would expect a bunch of little heads just a little off center from the person but this is only one
0: so is that somebody is, did you like look into arguments against it um only slightly that like
1: a- i just i know a little bit of the arguments against old photography gotcha so that's the first instance we have with sir victor goddard
0: so this is just kind of stuff surrounding him. This is yeah. This is, is... that supposed to be Victor Goddard in front of him? Um... Is that who he's next to in the picture? Because he's like right over the shoulder of the of whoever's in front of him.
1: The information I have right here doesn't say that specifically. Whoever that is. Yes, and I probably just dropped the box. I feel like a quick Google would probably tell you because that's a pretty famous photo because like I saw that before doing this research. I didn't just didn't know that Victor was in the photo also.
0: so you said you had heard about like bits and pieces of this whole thing. Was it is this like the only thing that you kind of knew about, or
1: I knew about the time slip that we're going to discuss at the end. cool a little bit as well. okay. Um, so we're not going to go in chronological order. But we're gonna we're we're gonna because the time slips kind of the meatiest one and the one I wanted to focus on originally. Yeah, uh, we're gonna save that juicy bit for the end, and we're gonna talk about the other ones around it. Okay. So he's involved in a, possibly a paranormal ghostly photo, so that's that's one on the scoreboard for Victor. strike one. Now we're gonna go and talk about a premonition that had been had about Victor Goddard. So in January of 1946. Uh, there was a cocktail party happening in Shanghai, and Captain Gerald Gladstone, commander of the HMS Black Prince, Royal Navy cruiser, discussed a dream that he had. And, um, and as he was talking about this dream, uh, Victor overheard the conversation and and kind of walked over and joined it. And Gladstone's face just turned pale white, and he was like, "You were you were just in this dream I had." And he tells him about this dream, and he says, "You were." You were flying in a plane with three British civilians, and you were going over some kind of rocky terrain. It looked like either China or Japan, um, and you, you crashed the plane, and and you didn't make it. And he's like, you know, this. I had this dream last night. This is so weird. And he's like, yeah, that is weird. Don't don't be putting that on me. Well, that would be a really
0: weird first impression. Is that the first time he's met this guy?
1: You know, I don't <laughs> believe so. I mean, since the guy's a cat. I mean, he had to have known Victor to have mm-hmm. had a dream about him. Because he mentioned Victor by name in the conversation that he was having. Oh, okay. And that's kind of what drew Victor in.
0: Gotcha. That would be freaky, though.
1: So he tells him, hey, you're going to die in a plane crash, or at least I had a dream about it uh, with three people. He didn't say, like, hey, this is the future. It's just like, I had this really weird dream. Mm -hmm. Well, later in the evening, our air marshal will learn that the next day he was assigned to fly a plane to Tokyo with three civilians. A consul general... A journalist and a stenographer, and in the guy's dream, it was two men and one woman, and of these three people, it was two men and one oh, woman, no. and he was going to Tokyo, and the guy was like, "Yeah, it looked like you're flying over like China or Tokyo or oh, uh, Japan." No. So all this is is coming to fruition, but I mean, he's in the military, so he can't just be like, oh, "I'm sitting this one out." Like no, you're ordered to do Some it. Some
0: guy yesterday, uh, he had a dream about me, <laughs> and uh, it freaked me out. I don't want to do this.
1: Yeah, and and he, this is kind of going through his head a little bit before the flight. Like yeah, this is real eerie. Yeah,
0: I'll take the next mission, guys.
1: Right. So they left Shanghai for Tokyo in the morning, and apparently the flight was terrible. It was extremely cold. Uh, there was a lot of clouds going, uh, cloud cover going on, and this led to uh, the wings on the plane freezing. And he had to perform oh, a crash no. landing. And, oh, okay. And he crashes the plane. But thankfully, no one dies in the crash. None, oh really? Yeah. None of the civilians, nor nor Goddard died. So people attest the fact that he made it to that he got told this beforehand and he made the proper preparations. Maybe he cheated death. Maybe. Final destination. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but But yeah, just super eerie. I mean, literally everything came true that the guy had a dream about. I did
0: not expect you to tell me that he lived. Oh, well, you said it was. This is supposed to be 1946.
1: This one, yes, is 1946. Which let's talk about how amazing that is the fact that they're flying around that area in 1946. Yeah. I mean, I know that that Shanghai, was it Shanghai or no, Hong Kong is what um, England owned until 1999. They have like double decker buses over there. At least they did. I mean, China owns Hong Kong now. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of funny. You get a little splash of English culture in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they didn't think it was funny. But Been everywhere. You know? White people. Messing up the world. <laughs> White
0: people. <laughs> <laughs> Damn colonies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <anyways. laughs> So we've got... We're in 1946. We're in 1946. He just arrived a plane almost playing Crash well he, he did Crash playing so he survived that yeah I didn't think you were gonna tell me that he would mm-hmm. luckily he made die. it
1: what uh how do you feel about premonitions in general this is that's a topic we've not talked about
0: um well I think that I guess that they could come in varying forms or maybe uh not strengths that's not the right word for it but how vi- vivid how vivid they may be mm-hmm. so something like
1: this where it's basically hitting all the marks you're like oh okay
0: uh I could, I could totally see that as far as like dream, dreams go cuz mm. I will be doing something just in my totally monotonous just day-to-day something super small and minute and then I'll just look out at something and I'll I'll feel like I have done that just I know that I've done that in dreams before like cuz that's mm. the only other time that I could have so that's that's happened quite a few times it's just it's usually just super minor stuff though it's never anything crucial Mm -hmm. or big or even more than just a second right so if people can tap into that
1: so you're talking deja vu though
0: well yeah so i mean i don't know i feel like that that yeah i guess well it's technically deja vu but it's so premonitions you think that that's more what he had that he just kind of
1: well he didn't have that it was it was his friend or well his fellow naval commander well yeah
0: that guy but what are you what are you saying about
1: just in general how like the premonitions as a topic as far as um basically seeing the future before it happens
0: i well i haven't experienced it myself but i could totally see it happening for sure yeah i can believe i believe in it
1: yeah when it's that detailed and you get real specific qualities about it Mm -hmm. i'm definitely more inclined to believe it i think and i think it i think it happens I think it might be some divine intervention um might you know obviously we know my beliefs by now mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it might i think it's personally might be some divine intervention um yeah something well, some heavenly see. coming down to to let you know but
0: especially in that case i mean
1: when it's something super because you hear some that are really out there that are like people are grasping at straws to make connections with
0: mm-hmm well i, well, I see i would never go to like a palm reader but I feel like, because um, I mean, I guess that's kind of what you know, pronations could be. That's what they're supposed to feed you. But I would never pay. <laughs> I would never pay for it. Let's just say that.
1: And if you are a palm reader, we're not dismissing you totally. If you would no. like to get in contact Sorry. with <laughs> that, us, that's what I mean. And 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 give us some of the behind the scenes with your profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know. I I won't say that I'm on board, but. If you would like to clear the air, we would be happy to have a adult discussion about it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, you could tell us our futures about that. Well,
1: I know mine. It's so bright,
0: so bright, especially with this podcast. <laughs> so okay, so you so you believe as well, but I'm assuming that you probably wouldn't go and do something like that as well. No, i pay You wouldn't pay for it. You believe in it, but you wouldn't pay for it. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't believe that's where. My premonition, or, would come from. Yeah, I do believe in visions, um, which uh, I guess you could lump with premonitions and and things like that. But I
0: feel like it's. I guess my thing is that I feel like they they have the potential to happen naturally, mm-hmm. and I have trouble believing that people can just instantly tap into it or something. Gotcha. You know, you know it's.
1: Oh, oh! I get you. Like at, you know at will type thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Eh.
0: I can I, don't see I, tr- that. I don't know if I trust that.
1: I can see that. Have you well a little bit out of premonitions and back into the deja vu a little bit? Have you ever heard uh, of an interesting theory that deja vu is just glitches in the matrix?
0: Um, I've heard, I've heard about glitches in the matrix. I didn't I didn't hear that deja vu specifically was one of them, but that makes sense because it's you know, it's in a movie too. But yeah, yeah, we're all just cogs in the machine. <laughs> we're, no? all just, we're all just code. Refuse.
1: <laughs> so back to circle back, good old. Sir Victor Goddard. Mm-hmm. So we've got a ghostly photo that he was involved in. Now we have a premonition that almost came too, true to the letter. Luckily, it didn't because he lived. Final Destination style. But like that was the only, only discrepancy in it. And not only was he decorated in the Royal Air Force, but he was also um, recognized in America with the American Air Force as well. Uh, he spent some time in Washington and was convinced that UFOs were a hoax. Even though he's experienced these multiple strange things. Uh, at the time, uh, President Truman had ordered the U.S. Air Force to investigate rumors of UFOs over American airspace because I don't think they were so much worried as, oh, these are aliens, more of like, you know, airspace and rocketry is booming and we have a lot of enemies and we need to figure out what's going on over our skies. We,
0: in correlation, when did they build um, Area of.
1: 52? 51? 51? You know, I don't know. I'm not sure.
0: I'm just wondering what... I'm not sure if the
1: information's even available for that. When did it start? But he was brought on as an advisor with the Air Force uh, to investigate this, and Goddard claims that through the USAF chief staff, Carl A. Spatz, he was instrumental in convincing Truman to halt the search. Apparently he would regret this decision later and change his belief a little bit and start to believe in some things such as uh, interdimensions and other parallel worlds that he thought that's where it was coming from and this interaction was coming from. So let's read a direct quote from Goddard now. That while it may be that some operators of UFO are normally the paraphysical denizens of a planet other than Earth, there is no logical need for this to be so. For, if the materiality of UFO is paraphysical and consequently consequently normally invisible, UFO could more plausibly be creations of an invisible world coincident with the space of our physical Earth planet that creations in the paraphysical realms of any other physical planet in the solar system. Given that real UFO are paraphysical, capable of reflecting light like ghosts, and given also that according to many observers they remain visible as they change position at ultra-high speeds from one point to another, it follows that those that remain visible in transition do not dematerialize for that swift transition and therefore their mass must be of a diphenous very diffuse nature and their substance relatively etheric the observed validity of this supports the paraphysical assertion that makes the likelihood of ufo being earth created greater than the likelihood of their creation on another planet the astral world of illusion which on physical evidences greatly inhabited by illusion-prone spirits, is well known for its multifarious imaginative activities and exhortations. Seemingly some of its denizens are eager to exemplify principalities and powers. Others pronounce upon morality, spirituality, deity, and etc. All of these astral exponents who invoke human consciousness may be sincere, but many of their theses may be framed to propagate some special phantasm perhaps of their earlier incarnation, or to indulge and inveterate and in continuing technological urge toward materialistic progress, or simply to astonish and disturb the gullible for the devil of it. Oh, my God. Let me tell you, this man had such a vocabulary. Yeah, he did. Put me to shame reading you ever, <laughs> you ever? You ever make a statement like that? Oh, my Lord. Uh, Respect, Goddard. Respect. I, I, yeah. I mean... I mean that kinda it makes a little bit of sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I got the gist of it. To him Um, it makes more sense that there's a parallel universe or universes where our technology is just different, more advanced, but I'm just gonna say different. Um, and to him it makes more sense that we are on the same physical plane and things are just kind of crossing through that plane rather than crossing light years.
0: So That's a cool thought. Yeah. So that's before he had any kind of uh, UFO experience? That's, like, his opinion on the on the matter beforehand?
1: I th- no, I think that is after he did this investigation on all these UFO sightings um, through okay. the Truman administration. Gotcha. In in uh, cooperation with the U.S. Air Force.
0: So post-research, he's...
1: That's his opinion, yeah. He
0: thinks yeah. that, yeah, more, like, parallel. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So he saw he must have saw some stuff then to to make him think that way yeah and it mean, it makes sense when when you're talking about i mean granted we're talking i mean granted 30 years ago science seems totally different than science today but in his era we knew a little less about physics that we don't know now but as far as what he's saying that it rather than these rapid change in directions it makes more sense for it to be a dematerialization or a transfer into somewhere else
0: well i'm wondering if his comments are based on on like the stereotypical alien of the of the time or if like he actually saw some things because his he seemed to have a really clear perception of mm-hmm. like what they would look like he said something about them being invisible or refra- what not light,
1: but yeah because you some you get these sightings where they like reflective kind of yeah or? which i mean you hear about these very metallic vessels, where it's at points, it's very hard to see them. Mm-hmm. And I think his his perspective, it's like, oh, that's when they're like kind of phasing between dimensions. Yeah, he must have. Like I said, he must have. And and this is a well educated man mm-hmm. that spent a career in the Sounds military. Like it. <laughs> And was so well respected that he was brought over from another country to work with the American Air Force. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about some loon, or even just some pilot that was only a pilot for a couple of years and got out and started talking crazy stories. We're talking about a career military man mm-hmm. that had They're a pilot re- too. That had a reputation that was very high up. Was Air Marshal, which is only a couple ranks from the top in in his own um, pecking order. Mm-hmm. So. I think. so
0: this is so that perception's about to change
1: No oh no, that's that's like his final thoughts.
0: Oh okay yeah okay cool.
1: So we've so
0: he it doesn't necessarily go into like what he might have experienced or seen specifically but
1: unfortunately I didn't pull that up because since we're doing four experiences we'll call it of his um, that's kind of his grand summary after everything he's seen. So I wanted to keep this a little more succinct, so we can do all of the. My so, voice has been cracking like a teenager lately, guys. <laughs> and Mine does it too. I'm it's leaving rampart. it in there, but I'm I don't know where it's coming from. But uh, I'll bear with you. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, to be able to cover all four of the things he's been involved in, I thought his post opinions of things was the, kind of the biggest to hang on to. So
0: that's so you said we weren't going chronologically. So that's is that what he just said even like post whatever, whatever time slip we're about to go over to? Yes, that's oh.
1: post time slip. Okay,
0: well, let's get there. All right, we'll
1: get there. Yes, and just, just to be clear, um, if he was enlisted to do that during the, the Truman presidency, Truman was president from 1945 to 1953. Okay. So just a little date reference um, for that. So now we're at the reason I had initially started to do this episode, the time slip time slips. (laughs) So now that we've taken so long to get here, which this isn't just a time slip episode, like I planned, but we should probably talk about what time slips are a little bit. Mm -hmm. So time slips are essentially when you find yourself in a time that's not your own. And then you find your way back. Uh, Typically every, every story I've read about it, uh, you're, you're someplace with no reference point and you slip out and you slip back in and it's always in an area of no reference. So like if we, so we're in Sacramento, mm-hmm. let's say we're driving to the happiest place on earth in Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. And we're going and you know how there's just long stretch of nothing after the Bay area and Bakersfield is kind of like the saving grace. And then there's a lot of nothing until you get to SoCal. Yep. Well, it's like you're in that patch of nothing all that in between you get to Bakersfield and it seems really old timey like like old west days and you're like huh I guess it's like you know old west day in Bakersfield and you just kind of go with it but it seems off like they're really accurate about how they've done this Mm -hmm. and then you leave you go to Disneyland have a great time and then you come back the same way and I won't say necessarily everything's changed but like There's a bakery that you bought a croissant at that was delicious, and it was only like five cents, and you're like, how is it this cheap? And you go to get the same croissant on your way back home, and the bakery's not there. And you're like, hey, there was a bakery here like three days ago. And they're like, no, there's a bakery there in like 1860, but it's not been there since then.
0: Hmm. That That sounds hard to believe.
1: You think so. And then you start reading these, and it's like, okay. Okay. And that's why I wanted to do a story about this. So let's take our paranormal man of the year, <laughs> I'm going to call him. Goddard. Sir Victor Goddard. And let's talk about his time slip. So Vic, this happened in 1935. Uh, Victor was flying in uh, airplanes. He was a wing commander at the time, so he hadn't rise to the rank of air marshal, but he's like halfway in between, I believe, at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and he was flying a Hawker Hart biplane. And he was flying um, to Edinburgh, Scotland, from his home base in Andover, England. And he was just kind of doing a little round trip. Uh, nothing nothing crazy. I think it was more for pleasure than no mission or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Man, think about that. We're, we're in the time of biplanes. So for anyone who doesn't know what a biplane is, it's the old-timey, like, Red Baron planes where there's two wings stacked on top of each other uh you have an open cockpit with the propeller in the front of the plane at the nose don't mind apparently dj wants to ride one don't mind
0: our guest surprise guest here what's up buddy you're interrupting
1: (laughs) (laughs) so he's flying this this biplane um from andover to Edinburgh on uh on his uh, return flight he decided to fly over an abandoned airfield in drem near Edinburgh. the drem and the drem airfield uh, was constructed before the first world war uh, but had since not been used so it was super dilapidated uh, hangars were kind of overgrown and runway wasn't well kept because they weren't they just, they weren't using this this was made for world war 1 world war 1 ended and People are like cool. Let's chill for a little while. Mm-hmm. Just deserted. Yeah, and it's. I mean, the military still owned it, but it. There was no need to maintain it. Mm-hmm. So it had. It had been a little dilapidated at this point, uh, and he's just flying over, saying that there's no one there, no one stationed there, no planes on the runway, nothing. Um, he even commented on seeing uh, cattle grazing on the site where the tarmac should have been. Yeah, he he said at this point it. Had been kind of converted into a farm and was no good as a as an airfield at this point okay so that was on his trip to Edinburgh. so on his return trip back uh, he decided to kind of take the same route fly over again take another look at it uh, but this time the weather was getting kind of rough um, and there was dark heavy rain and low clouds and Because of how basic the aircraft was with an open cockpit, you didn't want to fly through the rain. (laughs) You know, we're talking you only have goggles protecting you. Mm -hmm. It's not fun to go through.
0: Slapping in the face.
1: Right. So he started to rise to try to get above the clouds, um, try to get above that weather. Uh, And he made it to about about 8,000 feet, uh, trying to find a break in the clouds, but there wasn't one. And at that point, that's when the plane lost control. Oh, no. Yeah. Real rough. So he starts to spinning, starts going down, can't control the plane, uh, gets closer and closer to the ground. He's trying to to correct it, and he can't correct it. Uh, He started worrying about crashing to some mountains that were nearby um, as he was losing control. And then as he was falling, the clouds started to become darker. And then they started turning turning a yellowish color, and the rain got heavier and heavier. And then he could uh, see a point of light just through the clouds. But it doesn't matter because at this point he can't even control his plane to fly toward that light. So his altimeter showed he was about a thousand feet off the ground, still losing, still losing control. Can't do anything about it. He was flying at about 150 miles an hour, and My God. yeah, and at about 200 feet off the ground, um, that's when he finally popped through the clouds. But he still couldn't control the plane. He's just now he can see himself just falling, just like nose diving. Well, not even nose; he's spinning.
0: Oh, just oh, okay.
1: Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, all bad. Uh, he he kept f- falling and started to gain control back again at about forty feet above the ground. A plane, four stories off the ground. Oh my goodness! Like talk about clutch. Yeah. So he pulls it together, um, gets his plane up going again. Uh, oddly enough, he he remarks uh, like during this whole thing, seeing a girl pushing a baby in a in a like old timey. Um, carriage Mm -hmm. not carriage uh not stroller either i guess stroller carriage stroller yeah yeah pushing a baby around okay and he could just make out the the kind of outline of Drem airfield so he's like okay i kind of have some reference uh let me head over that way we're under the weather i'll stay out of this crazy crazy weather but that's when the weather starts to clear up a little bit. starts to get bright and sun sh- sunshiny and blue skies. And it's like, uh, okay, this is weird. I just fell through the clouds. Crazy rain. They turned yellow. Clouds don't do that very often. Uh, and as he started to approach the tarmac of Drem Airfield, uh, everything looked, uh, looked a little different. Or a lot different. So all of the air hangars that were dilapidated kind of overgrown they looked brand new he even saw mechanics out on the tarmac and there were planes as well There was, uh, i think he commented four planes so as he approached he could see four planes below three were avro 504n trainer biplanes so remember the biplane part and then one was a monoplane so a single winged winged plane of an unknown type and there were no monoplanes in the Royal Air Force in 1935. It wasn't until 1939 that these existed. Hmm. So, we'll con- oh, and also, the planes were painted bright yellow. Again, not a paint scheme used in 1935 by the Royal Air Force that was later adapted. Interesting. So, he's flying over, and he's like, this is, this is weird. This can't be the same same Drem airfield i flew over it only took him a couple seconds to fly over the airfield and he was still pretty low to the ground and he also noted that none of the mechanics working on the tarmac seemed to notice him or even really hear him as he flew overhead and you would think at a military establishment they would one be aware who's flying around and two at least be freaked out if they didn't recognize the plane so he flies right overhead no one pays him any mind he's like this is night and day from what i just saw on my initial trip and it's just not making any sense to him so once he once he cleared the airfield uh, he was he ran into the storm again and was engulfed by the crazy weather oh, no. but he said not dealing with it this time he climbed up to seventeen thousand feet made it over the clouds wasn't an issue this time and he he flew all the way back home well when he got back home he started talking to, to some of his fellow airmen and they were like i don't know about that and they were really believing him, so he kept his mouth shut because mm-hmm. he's still trying to get promoted, and he didn't want people thinking he was crazy and him to be discharged. Yeah. So he kept his mouth shut. So later on, he was doing another, uh, another, another bit of rounds through the, through the area, and he was promoted at this point. And I believe he was kind of doing sort of an inspection in the area. Okay. And it was picture perfect. The same thing that he had saw on that day. And Also a couple other things that had changed so one the planes were painted yellow, which was not used again not used in the Royal Air Force in 1935 There was the monoplane, which was not Used by the Royal Air Force until then also the mechanics uniforms even down to the uniforms uh, Were were blue? Yeah, they were were blue and in 1935 the standard issue was brown
0: So he saw the exact same thing That he saw the time before Mm mm-hmm Hmm. It's almost like deja vu,
1: except the deja vu that you were like that you that you, like you almost you were died applauded. doing yeah. and flew over top of and
0: yellow clouds throw me. Never seen yellow clouds.
1: I've seen yellow clouds. Yeah. Yeah. You. I mean, out here you don't get much weird weather in California, uh, but over on the East Coast where you get storms all the time, mm-hmm. uh, the sun really does some cool things to the yeah. clouds, and but not just the sun itself. Um, Yeah, sometimes they can look real weird, like almost like what you'd imagine, like cartoon pollution clouds look like.
0: The greenish.
1: Um, more of like a mustard, like a dirty mustard. The yellow to kind of brown. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. That's interesting. uh, That's crazy. So he kept it a secret until 1966, is when he
1: officially like came out and was like, "I saw this." He did tell it to some of his close friends when he came back, but he didn't like come out and be like hey, this was the case until 1966.
0: Didn't think it was a huge thing until then.
1: Well, and by then he was out of the military because he left the military in 51. Mm-hmm. So By then he was in the clear. He didn't have a reputation necessarily to ruin. At least as far as his career was concerned.
0: So he went over initially in 35 and then he went back again in 39? hmm Wow. And
1: That's all crazy. of these things were not standard issue, not commonplace, not practiced by the royal air force in 1935
0: but were in 1939 was he just uh, so he was just doing oh wow okay um does he so that was the whole that was his whole thing his whole time slip
1: and most of them are pretty brief it's never i think the longest time slip i've ever read about was someone arrived at a really old timey looking hotel stayed overnight and left and that was like the longest story of a time slip I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, it's usually like a couple hours, or maybe max. Yeah, well,
0: that's cool. Yeah, that doesn't say, it doesn't sound like it. At least you know, initially it was super long. The phase of déjà vu slash yeah premonition.
1: And this fits the bill of like of you coming from a indiscernible place, going through your experience, and then going back out. Essentially, like. I don't know how to explain it other than like if you went through a portal, came back out through the portal, but well, I mean, you, you just didn't see it happening—the transition.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's it happens at you know whatever random time. He's just going about. It. He's doing something that's regular to him, mm-hmm. and then something totally unexpected. Yeah, and way out of the ordinary, mm-hmm. or out of the realm of imagination, even.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, you think? Well, I mean, so after all of that. When did he, when was, um, do you know when that quote that you mentioned was from?
1: Oh, the one about the UFOs and his, like, parallel universe theory? Yeah,
0: which now makes a lot more sense.
1: I'm, to be totally honest with you, I'm not sure. Um, I just know it was, oh, actually, no, I lied, I lied. Uh, It was a part of a speech that he gave at Caxton Hall in 1969. Okay. So, he gave this, and he released this story this specific one, the time slip in 1966, but he gave a speech about how he felt about ufology and, um, this kind of parallel dimension theory of his in sixty-sixty-nine.
0: 69. So his parallel, I mean, for him, the parallel universe thing, like really fits. Cause almost, almost all of the things that we've gone over, you know, the, the ghost thing, the, um, potential premonition or, or deja vu. And then the UFO, whatever he may have experienced and the time slip all could be kind of, if you've thought about it, multi parallel kind of universe sort of mm-hmm.
1: deal. I could see that kind of all ties a little bit mm-hmm. for him. I mean, to be a person that's experienced a ghost sighting UFO, like investigated official UFO reports mm-hmm. made in America to have this weird time traveling experience and, to be to have a dead friend in a photo with you i feel like like that's gonna make you think about things a little differently yeah so i can see why he's trying not only trying to to broaden his view of things but also make a make a unifying thought about the entire thing i don't necessarily think they're all tied together i think some of them may be uh, but I don't think all of them are tied together.
0: Well, I just mean, like, his... Um, th- that quotation specifically in his explaining of the aliens in that that specific case, him having that view on it as far as the parallel universe thing uh-huh. makes a lot of sense if he potentially thought of any of the other scenarios the way that you and I have questioned him, Right. But did he... So did he, like... Was he kind of known for all of the stuff that happened to him? Did he come out? So you said that was part of his speech that he gave. Was he once kind of uh, go around and talk about those kind of things that occurred? Or
1: so he was a part. I won't say that he was the direct author because author, I'm not positive about it. But I'll, I know he's at least been a part of three publications. Uh, so the Enigma of Menace, written or created in 1959 flight towards reality in 1975 and skies to dunkirk in 1982 those might not all like i feel like especially skies to dunkirk might not be related to the this paranormal strange things mm-hmm. uh, but that's what he is involved in and what he has spoken on and what i assumed uh, he spoke at least partly about at um the hall that he had given that speech
0: that's pretty cool he must have been pretty yeah. freaked when he uh you know i ended up leaving that just to go on and I, I mean I would assume he probably studied and looked in more into the possibilities of paranormal happenings
1: mm mm-hmm. yeah
0: to become sort
1: of so, sort of an expert
0: on it that's mm-hmm.
1: cool yeah definitely an interesting guy
0: definitely experienced enough of it
1: <laughs> and and just to be totally fair to him uh like just not to make him sound like this crazy paranormal guy uh, i thought I think we've done a pretty good job of the of doing that uh but he did die in january of 1987 at the age of 89 Mm -hmm. and some of his uh some of his awards he had the knight commander of the order of the bath commander of the order of the british empire
0: that's a long that's one title one title
1: (laughs) and then um he also received the navy distinguished service medal from the united states navy Nice. So, I mean, it's pretty cool to get multiple military awards from multiple countries.
0: Yeah. Across the two, while the two biggest at the time. And he also,
1: uh, his battle record includes uh, the First World War at the Western Front and the Battle of Somme. And also in the Second World War at the Battle of France, Southwest Pacific Theater, Guadalcanal, sorry, campaign (laughs) uh the solomon solomon islands campaign and southeast asian theater so that's all places he flew um in name of the allied forces to ensure not just that hitler didn't win but that we all enjoy the freedoms we do
0: sounds like a hell of a guy
1: yeah so
0: experience some stuff
1: yeah so respect to to sir goddard
0: yeah definitely he put his he put his time in for sure what 41 years put his service. time
1: in in the military front and in the paranormal front and the paranormal front yeah like how do you have four like the only thing he's missing is a bigfoot sighting Mm-hmm. some so, kind of cryptid story yeah <laughs> so i what thought beast did you see when I started this and found out all the other things he was getting through, I'm like, no, this this guy, this this guy needs a whole episode on himself.
0: Like if he was the one who flew over and saw Lo- uh, Nessie, <laughs> he's <laughs> so, so cool. <laughs>
1: if that story's buried somewhere, and you you and you UK listeners know about that, please send it over. About Loch Ness? If he saw Loch Ness, that'd be legit. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. So, yeah. Okay. That's so.
0: Covered. That was a little bit of a like a combo. Yeah. Combo episode. I like
1: it. Yeah. I guess we've not done anything like that before, huh? Yeah. It's usually pretty topical themed, mm-hmm. but we try to keep it specific. What are you doing to me, man? <laughs> <laughs> can't can't make... Raising the bar.
0: No. You <laughs> can't do it. We stick to one thing, one thing only. No. Hey, well, um, we stuck to one man. Yeah, that right. was cool. That was uh, packed, for sure. Yeah. Um, I like focusing on the... Specific guy having because it's not usually that one person would have so many, at least not so many occurrences,
1: different occurrences. You'll you'll hear of a person that has a lot of ghost sightings in their life, or someone that's claimed that they've seen UFOs at multiple points in their life, Mm -hmm. but not someone that's seen like been like seen ghosts and seen UFOs and went through time and just and been a part of a premonition. And it's crazy, yeah. Well. I mean, his...
0: Well, I mean, not that his rank or anything like that should have anything to
1: do with his believability, but it does for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it adds, cre- it adds credence to him. Like, any person... Because it's not easy to get there. And I think that's part background. of it. Like, you have to be responsible in some aspect. You don't just fall into that, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's why it adds a little credence. There might, I mean, there's definitely people of power and of high ranks that have got there through either not the most moral of ways or through family connections. But when you have someone that's experienced, not just someone that's like a desk jockey that has a big title, but someone that's fought in numerous World War One and World War II battles and is heavily decorated and was recruited by the American military to assist them, you're like, okay, this guy has to know something.
0: Well, then all those things kind of kept happening around him. Like, it's not really like he ever sought it out. Exactly. It all of those things. Well, I mean, especially the time slip just happened to him. Right. Because that could have been the end of him. 40 feet off the ground. <sighs> yeah. In a biplane, no less. Yeah. <sighs> That's craziness.
1: Yeah, it's skin of his chinny-chin-chin. Chin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, awesome. So... More power to you, got it.
1: Yeah. So that does it. Good, good little uh, so invisible salute.
0: I think that we'll definitely have to circle back to time slips, though. I oh no, do, I for sure. Do some do, more scenarios.
1: There's a lot of cool ones out there.
0: I've not looked much looked into them They're specifically.
1: Fun. Have you looked into anything for your next next topic?
0: I have not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not specifically. Um, I haven't. No, I haven't figured out what I want to do yet i don't know i don't want to do another disappearance i don't know about i feel like you're kind of the cryptid guy i'm not <laughs> i'm not naming you that i'm just oh no, that's
1: fine if you ever want to do a story like that i don't own cryptids this is true i own this a cat i don't own cryptids
0: but those that was like your one of your primary interests in getting into this
1: yeah definitely because i mean there's sometimes i think it is just an undiscovered undiscovered species or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, maybe not. Maybe it's a little fantastical. Sometimes it's just a fun, almost comic book esque story that's just fun to think about. But yeah, cryptids are definitely a big one for me. Uh, but this whole gambit of things, conspiracies are a big one too.
0: Yeah, like I said, I mean, we're doing, we're getting back on track. And I'm like, when did we do what now? Speaking of these, and
1: uh, I know Jordan's like, I don't know what I'm doing. But that doesn't mean we don't have a, a plethora of ideas. Oh, Look yeah. at me. I, just, I read Goddard's thing, and now my I'm trying to have a good vocabulary. And no, 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 no. We're keep <laughs> keeping it real on the Creepy Campfire Podcast. We have a lot of ideas. We got a bunch. Um, so don't get it twisted. We have plenty of ideas. We're not coming out of idea, come, running out of ideas for the show.
0: No, it's just it's it's almost more like too many.
1: But if you guys have anything specifically that you want to hear us talk about, please let us know. And I know we say this every single week, but it's the truth. We want to do shows that you guys are inter- interested about because you guys are the ones listening and for everyone that's been here since episode one to now we cannot thank you enough uh the growth that we've seen is tremendous we have merch didn't think that was going to happen it's 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 amazing we're in every continent we're in 20 some countries
0: it's coming along
1: it's it's cool so let's take that collective pool of knowledge And use that. So if you guys have anything that you want to hear, let us know. If you have any stories of your own, any sightings of anything, any experiences. I don't care how small it is. I don't care if it's a two-minute story. Tell us. We would love to know. Send it our way. We'd love to to put it on the air. You just heard one of our listeners, uh, who runs Jeff, who runs the Canto Cast, uh, share his story last week on the Pennsylvania Urban Legends episode. We would love to do more of that, and it doesn't have to be as long as Jeff's. No disrespect, Jeff. We love how much you put into that and really appreciate it. But if you guys just have like a two-minute story of something weird that happened to you in the middle of the night, we'd love to put that on here too.
0: Speaking of, uh, <laughs> we have a new listener. Um, Shout out to Tori. She wants to. It's a so my friend Matt, who I work with, uh, his fiance is a uh, recent, r- recent, recently found us and has become a fan. Oh, sweet. And she says that she What, what has What's her name, Tori? Tori. Hey, Tori. And she wants to do like a. She wants. She says that she has like a medium slash ghost story of her own. Okay. Uh, she was, I mean, she didn't push that, but she was like, she was like, one, I love the show. Two, I do have a story. It's like,
1: sweet. Well, we'll get her in. Get you on. Follow Jeff and Tori's lead, people.
0: Definitely. That's that. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides what we, you know, doing this for us, we're also doing, like, that's one of the driving Like, we want really so to. We do it because we enjoy it,
1: but it. when we get other feedback in and other involvement, it just pushes that even farther.
0: Yeah. Makes it all, though. It makes it all worthwhile, for sure.
1: Exactly. So next one's up in there. That's totally okay. Yeah. Uh, We want to just thank you guys again for sticking with us. We appreciate it so much. If you want to reach us with any of your stories, even if you just want to say hi, tell us how much you like the show, uh, you can contact us at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. One more time, creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Please reach out. And if you are enjoying the show, please just take a second, leave us a rating review especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. We really would appreciate it. It helps get the show more exposure so that way we can get more feedback and get more stories to mm-hmm. give you guys. So if you want to help us, you got two ways now. We got merch, but really, it's a give and get. really merch is for you guys. I mean, come on. Who doesn't want to wear the Creepy Campfire logo?
0: Right? I just can't wait. I need to order a mug myself, like right now. <laughs> in a mug and I need a hat. You got a shirt?
1: I got a shirt and a mug coming.
0: I need a hat. That's what I need.
1: I want a hat. We have them. We have two styles. We have the dad hat, which I didn't realize they were called dad hats. Now I must start wearing it to work. See, baseball hats. What I used to call dad hats. Dad hats. But apparently, dad hats are now dad hats, not baseball hats.
0: There's a difference. That's what I I figured. Yeah, I figured baseball caps were like dad. I mean, you know, well, baseball
1: hats, hats now are like the Giants hat you gave me. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to see your stuff when it comes in.
1: Yeah, it's going to be cool. So, again, you guys got two ways to support us if you want. Three ways to support us if you want. Merch, leaving us reviews, good or bad. We take it all as it comes. We just want the truth. Mm -hmm. And just getting in contact with us. We really appreciate it. But until next time, everybody, always remember, stay stay toasty. toasty.